This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. What if? Now, we've been asking ourselves for the last few weeks a series of questions. You know, what if we, first of all, we said, what if we took the Bible seriously? More, you know, what if more people decided that the Bible time was more important than a lot of the other things we waste our time on? And then we asked in the second week, okay, what if we understood praise and what if we took praise seriously? What if we don't, we didn't just come to church and say, well, yeah, I, I like the music over at that church. We have a good time of music. And we realized that, man, praise wins battles. Praise shakes things and praise, you know, breaks chains. And I just, it's a, there's so many examples in the Bible of praising to get the victory and, and it working. Then last week we looked at, uh, what if Christians knew the authority they had through the name of Jesus. Well, this week is part four, and we're going to look at this. What if we took the Holy Spirit seriously? What if we took the Holy Spirit seriously? And, you know, this is this is one of those things, again, where everybody would say, well, of course we take the Holy Spirit seriously. But I'm going to try to tackle in a very short amount of time, about a half an hour here, probably uh, one of the broadest subjects we could possibly study. But we're going to say three things tonight that I need everybody to get a hold of. And first of all, you got to realize that at our church, we are classified as a spirit-filled church. You know, there, we're not, we're not, don't belong to a denomination, you know, Baptist or Methodist or whatever. We're, we're a spirit-filled church. And so that means, man, we believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, I, I speak in tongues and I'm not embarrassed about that. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that. You know, a lot of churches in our day and age, it's, it's, it's this new thing where, you know, you just got to get the, as big numbers as you can get at your church. And, and so we do, we see churches all over the place, you know, with 15, 20,000 people. And that's great. That is, that's awesome, all for it, fabulous, great. But one thing that a lot of large, large churches, you know, do, I guess, they're, they're, whether they believe in the Holy Spirit, the, being filled with the Holy Spirit or not speaking in tongues and all this stuff, it's like they're embarrassed about it. You know what I mean? They're, and, and I was talking to one Spirit-filled pastor that I know, and, and he's like, well, we are a Spirit-filled church, yes, but, you know, we don't really practice that. I don't really preach about it. I, I wish we did, but just... We just, we don't, you wouldn't know it if you came to our church that we're a spirit filled church. And I'm like, really? Why? Why is it that people would be embarrassed of one of the greatest gifts that the Lord Jesus gave us before he left this earth? He says, it's for your benefit. He's talking to the 12. He said, listen, I'm going to go away soon, but check it out. It's for your benefit that I go away. Because when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to live in you. It's going to be better for you when the Holy. And, and they're like, what? I don't I don't know. I don't know about that one, Jesus. How could it possibly be better? But listen to me. When the Jesus went up to heaven, the Holy Spirit came in and he now lives inside of us everywhere we go. The Holy Spirit is so important. And and when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, man, oh, my gosh, you receive this power. And we're going to study some stuff. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'll say this. I am not embarrassed of the Holy Spirit. I'm not embarrassed that I grew up in a church where, yeah, we got pretty wild. We had <laughs> we had some wild church services when I was growing up, yeah, people fell out. People got excited and ran around the church. We spoke in tongues and, you know, nobody was embarrassed. You know, it's, again, some denominations, well, that's, that's not, that's not for today. Speaking in tongues of the devil. 
Well, Dr. Barclay says this, I served the devil for a long time and never once did he give me a message in tongues. Not, the devil never made me pray in tongues before I, you know, so I don't know that it's of the devil, but when I got saved and, I, you know, then it started happening to me. So anyway, we're going to study some stuff tonight, and I believe that the Lord's going to speak to your heart, and you're going to start taking the Holy Spirit seriously. I take him very seriously, and and he's with me every day. So uh, let's get into this message, and I believe the Lord's going to speak to your heart tonight and explain some things. So number one is this. Who exactly is the Holy Spirit? And honestly, I could go and I could ask a whole lot of Christians, who's the Holy Spirit? Who is he? What is his function? And a lot of people, you know, it's not putting down on them, but other than telling me that he's, you know, the third part of the Holy Trinity, most Christians could not explain much to us about who the Holy Spirit actually is. Honestly, you know, well, he's, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But do you realize that he's huge? He has such an important function in our lives. And so we're going to we're going to mainly be in the book of John and the book of Acts tonight. But open up to John chapter 16, John 16. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. Yes, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's right. But uh, we're going to look at some of the stuff of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. So John chapter 16, and we're going to look at verses 7 and 8. And this is Jesus speaking to the 12 disciples. He says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And so Jesus right here, he's telling them, it's actually going to be better for you when I go away. Because listen, if I stay here, if I don't go, the advocate can't come. And so who's the advocate? Well, we'll keep looking here. Look down at verse 13. John 16, verse 13. Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. This is why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Now, there's several things right here uh, that that list that the Holy Spirit is in our lives. First of all, it says he's our advocate. And so the advocate, it comes from this Greek word right here, parakletos. And, and what that means is one who helps or enables another. So the Holy Spirit is one that comes alongside you to help you and enable you. And of course, advocate carries this almost legal connotation to it. It says this advocate will tell you what to say. And he's not just telling you stuff that he made up. It says he's telling you what Jesus told him to tell you to say. Isn't this great? Whenever you're in a bind and in a bad situation and you don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will give you the right words at the right time. If I'm on trial, you know what I mean? I'm not going to be one of those dummies that goes in and tries to represent himself. You know, the crazy guys always do that, and then it always turns out really bad. I mean, if I was, I would, I would take an advocate on my side, and whatever he told me to say, that's what I would do. 
He's smarter than me, and he knows how this whole thing works. And so you may be on the trial of faith right now, and you're sitting there, and you're standing, and and you're fighting everything, and he's right beside you telling you, okay, say this. And I'm going to lean over, and I'm going to say, all right, the Word of God says that I am strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's going to tell me what to say. He's an advocate fighting for you. That's the Holy Spirit. He's a helper. He comes and dwells inside of you. He's your advocate. And he tells you what to say. And verse 13 tells us that he will guide you into all truth. When you're filled with the Spirit and you're listening to the Spirit, you're listening to him, it's, it's pretty hard to be deceived because he's going to lead you into all truth and he's going to tell you the things that Jesus said. He's going to lead you straight to scripture and what he leads you into, it's going to line up with the word of God. And so whenever somebody comes up and, you know, uh, praise God, I, I'm thankful for people, but sometimes a lot of people want to come up and give you a word that the Lord gave them. And sometimes it's just way out there. Well, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this, that blah, blah, blah. And if it doesn't line up with the scripture, I'm going to say, man, the Holy Spirit didn't tell you that. Somebody else, I don't know where, some spirit told you that. But the Spirit leads you and guides you into all truth, and he tells you things that Jesus told him to say. Jesus is the Word, John 1, 1. And so anything that's from the Spirit is going to be found in the Bible somewhere, right? And so you don't come up and tell me some crazy nonsense that's not in the Bible. That's not from the Holy Spirit. But he leads us and guides us in to all truth. And then you notice there uh, in, in verse 13, it tells us that he will even tell you things about the future. Do you realize what a monumental advantage it is to have the Holy Spirit tell you things about the future? That is like the biggest advantage you could possibly have. You could see things coming way before anybody else. Now, he might not tell you exactly what it is, but he'll warn you of dangers ahead. He'll warn you, and you know, it's incredible the stories I've heard. This one guy that went to the, the Bible college I went to, he was a very, very smart man financially. He graduated from an Ivy League school, and he accepted a job in New York City. Uh, he, he accepted this job with a major financial firm, and he was going to start work that September. And a few months before school starts, the Holy Spirit says, just starts telling him, no, turn down this job, six-figure job, and you're, you need to go to Bible college. And he's like, what? I've got this finance degree from, you know, this Ivy League school. I've got this great job lined up. And he knows the Holy Spirit saying, do not take it. Don't take the job. Go to Bible college at, at Raymond Bible College in Oklahoma. And so uh, to everybody's surprise and against everybody's wishes, he refuses the job from the major company, goes to Oklahoma, and starts Bible college. This was September of 2001. His job was in the World Trade Center. He was going to start work September of 2001, World Trade Center Tower Number 2. What if he had accepted that six-figure job? The Holy Spirit warned him, made no sense to anybody else. He will tell you things about your future. If you listen, he will save your life. That's the Holy Spirit. Would you call that being a helper and an advocate, a paracleto? He's all of these things, man. He warned and he actually listened 
and now this guy, he's a great guy. He, he works for the ministry out there in the finance department. And I know, I'm guess, I don't know, you know, if he makes the money he would have made working for the world out there, but he's alive and he's being used by God. And so I'm telling you this, that yes, the Holy Spirit, he will warn you and he will tell you things. Now I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. There's been a whole lot of times he's tried to get my attention and I've ignored him. And I found out later on, like, oh, now I, now I know why you're trying to tell me not to do that. So you can listen or you can disobey. Either way, he's right. And you'll, you may not know now, you may not know why right now, but you'll find out later on why the Holy Spirit was telling you to make that decision. So I want you to look here at John chapter 14. We'll flip back here. John 14 and verse 26. John 14 and verse 26. So what if we took the Holy Spirit seriously and we realize exactly who he is? John 14, verse 26. Jesus again says, but when the father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And so when you've got the Holy Spirit in your life, he will bring things to your remembrance, okay? And Jesus says it'll be everything that I've told you. The Holy Spirit, your advocate, he'll bring it back to your memory. Have you ever been in just a bad situation and all of a sudden a Bible verse just comes up out of you that, man, it's not one that you necessarily, you know, made it your life verse. You didn't put it on your refrigerator or, you know, get it tattooed on your arm or whatnot. It's just some verse that you've heard somewhere and you're in a bad spot. And all of a sudden, this comes back to you. Who is that? Holy Spirit. He's bringing the word back to you that Jesus gave to you. The Holy Spirit dwells within you, and he's your helper every step of the day. He's trying to talk all the time. It's just sometimes people don't listen. Like, you know, because you've got to realize... The Holy Spirit isn't some big booming voice out of heaven that's going to come and smack you across the face. Listen here, do this right now and quote this verse four times and then the answer will. He's no, he's a gentleman. He will speak from the inside in your heart. And, you know, sometimes the world would call it your conscience. Well, we know it's not your conscience. It's the Holy Spirit. And whenever you're going to do something and on the inside, you feel Oh, that, I don't feel right about this. I don't feel right. It looks right, but I don't feel right. That's the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen to him and, and you will save yourself so much trouble. But he guides you from your heart. We call it the still small voice of the spirit. And he speaks to you. The book of Proverbs says that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Well, what is that? You know, I never understood that, but that means that the spirit, your spirit, is where God is going to speak to you, where he's going to light things up, where he's going to make things light, okay? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, not our physical eyeballs, you know, not our ears and our five senses. It's your, God talks to your spirit. Now, it is possible that God could come with an audible voice and speak to you. I've never had that happen, but it, it definitely could happen. But 99.99% of the time, he's going to speak to your heart, and you've got to be able to listen to that. And he will guide you into all truth. He will show you things to come. He will bring things back to your memory just when you need them. The Holy Spirit is an amazing gift that too many people just don't understand or take advantage of. Let me show you verse 17 of John 14. Verse 17 says, 
He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. It doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So as New Testament Christians, man, we are led by the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of us. We have got to learn how to tune out the distractions of this world because In 2017, you've got about a thousand voices coming to you every day. You've got the news telling you what's good and bad. You've got celebrities trying to tell you what's good. Good Lord, man, there are people, the craziest people in the world. Pretty much if a celebrity is for it, I'm probably totally against it. That's what I found out. You know what I mean? Anyway, that's a whole other thing. But, but you've got, you've got voices from all over the place trying to tell you what's right and wrong. But if you could just listen on the inside, To your heart, to your spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. And so, number one, number one is that who exactly is the Holy Spirit? He is our helper. He is our advocate. He tells us things. But the second thing is this point number two is there's a difference between being born of the spirit and filled with the spirit. Okay, so here's where you're going to kind of separate churches like ours a little bit. From the rest, you know, from most other churches, we're no better. It's just, it's, we've got revelation on this, okay? And so, every Christian, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, okay? You know, we say Jesus is in our heart, and that's nice, but technically, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. It's the Holy Spirit that lives in your heart. Jesus just told you in John 14 that he will dwell in you, okay? And so, the Holy Spirit is who lives inside of you, and he's there. If you're a born-again Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You have been what we call born of the Spirit. And so let's show you something here in John chapter 3. We're all familiar with John 3, especially verse 16. But here's Jesus talking to Nicodemus. And, of course, Nicodemus is a very, very wise man, religious leader. And Jesus comes... And, and tells Nicodemus, he's like, all right, Nick, listen up. Unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. And, it, and Nicodemus has never heard this phrase. Nobody's ever heard this phrase, born again. We've heard this. So if I say, you got to be born again, you're like, oh, amen, brother. Absolutely got to be born again. I get it. But if you've never heard this phrase, this is like mind-blowing. Mind-blown. You, you know, here you are. Somebody says, Juan, you've got to be born for a second time if you're going to go to heaven. And you're like, what? What does that mean? What? That's weird. Get away. And so Nicodemus is like, how am I a grown man going to get back inside of my mom and be, that is gross, that is wrong, I don't get it, you're weird. And Jesus, he explains it. Well, hold on down there, Nick. Just listen to this. Like John 3, verse 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. So you got to be born of water. I mean, that's how you're born in this world. But he says, then you got to be born of the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Your mom couldn't do that for you. She could get you into this world, but she couldn't get you to heaven. The Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you got to be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. 
So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. I can't fully explain how you're born of the Spirit. I mean, I know what the Bible says, but Jesus himself said, just like you can't fully explain the wind, you can't fully you know, understand how you're born of the Spirit. All I know is Jesus died for my sins. I should have been the one dying for my sins, but Jesus did it. And he said, if you receive me, then absolutely you can have eternal life. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans 10, 13. So it's, it's just that easy. But you've got to be born of the Spirit to be able to get into heaven. You won't see the kingdom of God any other way. And so everybody that's a Christian has been born of the Spirit. Say, born of the Spirit. But then there's also a further experience that the scriptures teaches us about called being filled with the spirit. Not every Christian is filled or as the book of Acts calls it baptized with the Holy Spirit, because we know there's there's more than one baptism, right? We've been baptized in water. You know what I mean? We, we do that all the time up here. And if you want to get baptized, hey, we'll fill it up. and We'll dunk you anytime. All right. But. Beyond being baptized in water, John, John the Baptist talked about, hey, I'll baptize you guys in water, but there's someone coming later on that'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And they're like, what? Are you kidding me? And it happened. It actually happened. And so let's look here um, at the Acts chapter one, uh, verses four through five. And so you remember, Jesus kept saying, there's someone, listen, it's for your benefit that I go away, guys. You got to get this. But Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. This is good stuff here, man. You're getting, this is it. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. And so, you know, Jesus was resurre- or resurrected and then he walked the earth for 40 days. But look at this, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. Until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. He's like, don't leave, guys, don't leave Jerusalem just yet until you get that gift I was telling you about. And what gift was he talking about? Well, the gift of John 14, John 16. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you all will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So right there, there's two baptisms. One of water. The second is this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I'll give you guys some references. I won't turn to all these. But everywhere in the book of Acts where they mention being baptized in the Holy Spirit, the first thing that the person did was they would start speaking in other tongues. Okay? Everywhere in the book of Acts. They would lay, they would lay hands on someone. And in fact, I think it was uh, chapter 19, they come up and these guys are like, so uh, did you guys get baptized with the Holy Spirit? And and the people say, we didn't even, we don't even ever, Holy Spirit, what are you talking about? They're like, oh, well, you must not have got it yet. So they lay hands on him and it says they began speaking in other tongues. This happened all over the book of Acts. And again, people want to debate tongues. Oh man, that's, you're on a losing side on that. It is so <laughs> biblical that it's not even funny. But write these, write these down if you're interested because we don't, I don't have time to completely uh, do the whole thing on tongues tonight, but uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Chapter 8, verses 14 through 18. Chapter 10, verses 44 through 46. And chapter 19, verses 1 through 6. 
You can look these up later on at home. But all of these are instances. Lay hands on somebody, baptize in the Holy Spirit, they begin speaking in tongues. That's Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 18. Acts chapter 10, 44 through 46. And chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And of course, we've got many, many, many other references for this. But anyway, so... Jesus mentions uh, that, yeah, there's this baptism and the Holy Spirit is coming. But let me show you a very key component of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says, this is very huge, when somebody is baptized with the Holy Spirit, all over the New Testament, they begin speaking in tongues, but two key signs of this is that they receive a power from on high, and they receive this power, this boldness to witness. And this is everywhere you look, somebody that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they get really, really bold. Can I get a witness on that? You know what I mean? Someone baptized in the Spirit, they get really, really bold. And so the teaching of, of the gifts of the Spirit and speaking in tongues kind of went dormant. I mean, they, they just they fell through the cracks for se- several centuries. That Churches kind of quit teaching about it all through the Middle Ages and everything. But in 1906, something very important happened in Los Angeles, California. Uh, there's a, a, a preacher, an African-American preacher from Houston, Texas, uh, named William Seymour, and, and people had kind of been, they rediscovered these scriptures pretty much. They didn't just look over them, and they kept seeing, well, it says here you can be baptized, and you begin speaking in tongues. I, I've never seen this before, but a, a man in Kansas uh, named William Parnum, he's, he started teaching this. He had never spoken tongues, but he saw it was in the Bible and just couldn't refute the fact that it has to still exist because nowhere does it say that this will go away except... The Corinthians says, when that which is perfect has come, you won't need speaking in tongues anymore. Well, what's that which is perfect? That's heaven. There's nothing in this world that's perfect. And so anyway, 1906, uh, uh, Seymour moves from Houston down to Los Angeles, California. He gets accepted uh, as the head pastor of this church down there. His very first service Sunday morning, he preaches on this. He says, I've never had this happen, but it's real and it's true because it's in the Bible. And so when he came back for the PM service, the doors were locked and he had already lost his job. They fired him after one service. And so he starts a Bible study on a street called Bonnie Bray Street in Los Angeles. And it grows and grows. Hundreds of people are packing this little, I mean, the, the people are standing outside. They can't fit into the house. His wife had never known how to play the piano before. She sits down one night and just starts playing like, just like a professional piano player. The Holy Spirit came on her. And they, anyway, William got it. He started speaking in tongues. Other people started getting filled and speaking in tongues. So many people were there. The front porch collapsed and fell off into the street there. And so they rented a building on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. And from Azusa Street in 1906, the Pentecostal movement started. And in the last 110 years, there are now over 500 million Pentecostals. It is by far, by far, the fastest growing movement of Christianity in the world. By Not even comparable. Spirit-filled churches worldwide. And Jesus said, listen, when you get the Holy Spirit, you're going to get really bold. 
and you're going to preach about me not only in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, but from all over the world. And it has happened in our modern times, because in the grand scheme of things, 100 years is not that long when you're looking at eternity. And so from there, the Pentecostal movement, absolutely all over the world. And it, uh, one thing about people that are filled with the spirit baptized, they get extremely bold. They're no longer ashamed. They'll they'll pray for people in grocery stores. They'll go to restaurants and, and witness. I mean, they do a lot of crazy things, but that's why this has happened. And so I, one, one famous Pentecostal, this man named Smith Wigglesworth, I talk about him all the time. Smith was a plumber in England, got saved, got filled with the spirit, got extremely bold. Smith, if it, his goal was to lead at least, I think, three people to the Lord every day of his life. And if he went home and only got one or two, he felt like a complete failure. Man, what a failure. I only got two people saved today. Oh, I, I, got, I got to step it up. And so anyway, but this, pre, this pastor in Australia had Smith come in and preach. And he tells this story of taking Smith Wigglesworth out to a restaurant for lunch one day. So he says, Smith Wigglesworth was here in my city recently, and I took him to one of the fanciest restaurants to have lunch. When we came into the restaurant, someone took his coat and hung it up for him. He looked around like an eagle, just scanning the whole room. Only really wealthy people ate in this restaurant. But instead of sitting down, he took a fork and began to hit the side of his glass with it. Ding, 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 ding. Like he was about to make a toast or something. <laughs> Everybody stopped their eating. <laughs> When he had everybody's attention, he raised his hand and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I have noticed since arriving here that not one of you has prayed over your food. You resemble a bunch of hogs to me. (laughs) You just jump in and eat without giving thanks to the one who provided it for you. Bow your heads right now and I'll pray for you. And (laughs) And so Smith raised his hands in the air and prayed over everybody's food. And before we left the restaurant, two families came over and got saved. And so that's this pastor's story of taking Smith Wigglesworth out to eat one day. And I mean, that sounds pretty extreme to us, but he did this like every day of his life. This was just an everyday lunch for Smith Wigglesworth. Someone once asked Smith how he gets up in the morning. Then this is what he said. I jump out of bed. I dance before the Lord for at least 10 to 12 minutes, high speed dancing. I jump up and down and run around my room telling God how great he is and how wonderful he is. How glad I am to even be associated with him and to be his child. After this, I take a cold shower, read the Bible for an hour, and then pray for an hour. And that's how he started his day every day. He danced before the Lord for ten minutes and ran in circles in his room with his hands raised. Like, man. And so, this is, I know, I'm filled with the Spirit. I don't start my day like that. I get some coffee and a Bible and, you know, kind of take it a little bit more slowly than that. But this is a boldness that comes upon our lives when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll witness, you're not ashamed anymore. You're not, you don't got to be quiet. You're not afraid. You've got power. You've got authority. You've got a boldness about you. And I'm telling you, if you don't have this boldness, you are missing out. And so, yes, there's a difference between being born of the spirit and being filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay. And the third thing we'll say tonight is this, is that we've got to learn to flow with the Spirit. We've got to learn to flow with the Spirit. You've got to learn to be led by Him, to listen to Him, to hear Him speaking to you. You know, just like with any Bible teaching, it's one thing to know what it says, but it's another thing to actually 
do what it says. Okay? There's a lot of people that notice the Bible says not to steal. They still do it. So that verse isn't doing them any good. There's a lot of people that know the Bible says don't go out and get drunk, but they're not obeying it, so that verse is not doing them any good even though they know it. The, the, the scripture that helps you out is the scripture that you actually listen to and obey. James 1.22 says, uh, don't only be a doer, or don't be a hearer of the word, but be doers of the word, or else you're deceiving yourself. So there's a lot of people, they've heard a whole lot of the Bible. Problem is, they're just not doing any of it. And so they're deceiving themselves. And so just like with any topic, yeah, a lot of people know what, you know, well, I know all about being filled with the Spirit, and I have been filled, but we sometimes we just, we let it go. And this is something that you've got to stir up the gift that's within you, the Scripture tells us. And I will say that a lot of people, you know, any topic of the Bible, some people take two extremes on either side. And yes, I've seen people get in error when it comes to falling with the gifts of the Spirit and, you know, do stupid things, okay? But I've also seen people like that are so, so far on the other side of the ditch with this. We're like, well, I've seen people be crazy with speaking in tongues, so now I don't want anything to do with it. Or I've seen people, you know, prophesy and they were weird, so I don't want anything to do with it now. Well, you're missing out on a whole lot of God's blessings. Okay? And so Brother Hagen said, the best thing with any topic is to just steer straight down the middle of the road. Don't be an error on this side or on this side. Just drive down the middle of the road and obey what the Bible says and you're going to be all right. And so this gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something for everybody. You don't just have to be one of the chosen ones. Because I've heard some people say, well, I believe in it, but God's just never chosen to give that to me. It's for everyone. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for anybody that wants it. Anybody can have this. And so um, I want to show you here Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. And here's a story of Paul. Now, you know, Paul was a very, very bad man before he got saved. He uh, he did a lot of <laughs> persecuted Christians. You know this. But he gets saved. But you also see where Paul gets filled with the spirit. And Paul said in first Corinthians, he said, hey, I thank God I speak with tongues more than any of you in this church to the Corinthian church. So Paul spoke in tongues every day. He was filled with the Spirit, and Paul was insanely bold. He was so bold that he, I mean, anyway, Paul was so bold that he was killed on one occasion. Actually, it's the story I'm getting ready to read to you. It's the end of this story. But they, they, they stoned him to death, and then they raised him from the dead, and he goes back into the town and continues preaching to the people that just killed him. Like, that's, pretty, that, that's boldness. That's really bold. But Acts chapter 14, uh, look at verse 1 here. It says, the same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power. Okay, that's a sign of the Holy Spirit. Power <clears throat> that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. So they're preaching with such power that Jewish people, Greeks, they're all, they're becoming believers. They're getting saved, man. But look down here at verse 8. It says, while they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting. And this guy, listen, he had never walked a step in his life. He was born crippled. Never walked a step in his life. So he was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called him in a loud voice, Stand up! 
And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Isn't that, that's boldness right there on so many levels. If I see a crippled guy and the Holy Spirit says, tell him to stand up. Okay, your mind is going to say, okay, what if he doesn't stand up? I'm going to go down as the biggest jerk in history to tell a crippled dude to stand up. That is so mean. But if you're listening to your mind, you're not, you're, you're not going to obey the Spirit. Because the things that the Spirit says, Jesus says, it doesn't make any sense. You, you can't possibly understand it. The Holy Spirit will tell you to do things that you don't understand. And it's going to take faith to step out and do those things. And so the Spirit says, tell him to stand up. So Paul just instantly yelled, stand up. And the guy jumps to his feet. And you can read the whole rest of the story. But the whole crowd, they, they see this miracle and they decide that Paul, he must be a god. And the Barnabas must also be a god. And so they start bowing down and worshiping Paul and, and Barnabas. And they say, no, we're not gods. And anyway, then the crowd gets mad at them for not being gods. And they kill, they kill him. And, and anyway, it's just a whole funny story. But you notice that there was a boldness and a power. What if we started taking the Holy Spirit seriously? What if we said, yeah, I want that in my life. So, not, so I can look really cool? No, it's not about you, man. It has nothing to do with that. I know there's a lot. I would love to see crippled people get healed. I would love to go out and, and witness to thousands of people and, and get this church and every other church in town filled up for the glory of God. I would love that. And when the when we take the Holy Spirit seriously, we don't care how we look anymore. We don't care if we look stupid. We don't care if people talk about us. We don't care if they make fun of us. We're just ready to do his work. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do to your life. He will give you boldness. He'll give you power to witness. Not just in your little place, but all over the place. The Holy Spirit brings a boldness. And people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit, they don't care what other people think about them. And so, I've actually got a perfect example of this tonight that I'm going to show you here on the screen in just a second. But there's a a preacher that I like. He's really funny. His name's Jesse DePlanis. This is kind of one of his older videos. But he's telling a story of, of boldness. Uh, that the Lord used him in one time. And so anyway, uh, Heather, you can go ahead and play this clip, but you'll see what I'm talking about. Go ahead. I was in the airport one time. My God, people get mad if they don't get what they pay for. Had a hot dog machine. Boy, that guy put some money in there. Bam, bam. They start punching it. Talk to it too. Give me my hot dog. Boom. You know, do all kind of stupid things to a machine. You know how that is. I had to teach that man to sit on his problems. I said, what's the matter, sir? And he said a few choice words. Blankety blank machine. Give me my hot dog. I said, well, did you pray for it instead of beat it up? He looked at me like I was insane. I said, I'm going to pray for this machine to give you your hot dog. <laughs> well, it was a way to get the word of God to him. You can laugh about that, but the man needed Jesus. Cussing all over an airport at a hot dog machine, you need God. I felt so stupid. <laughs> Lay my hands in that machine. The devil said, suppose the weenie don't come out. <laughs> you know how that is. <laughs> you feel like an idiot. <laughs> I laid my hands in that machine. I said, devil, turn loose of that weenie. Turn loose of that thing. In Jesus' name. And the hot dog fell out. Bam. Just fell out like that. (laughs) 
There's a hippie friend, some dude. I, he said, say, brother, can you get me one? Some dude. I said, no, you pay for your, that man paid for his hot dog. Now, I felt like an idiot. <laughs> I should have prayed for chili and mustard on it. That really would have been a miracle. We just used that machine as a pulpit to proclaim the good news of the gospel. You laugh about that, but pull all the humor out. There's some people needing a terrible problem. They're inside a grave trying to get out the stone. You need to knock that stone down. And sit on it. Let the glory of God flow out of you. I was in the airport one time. My God, people get mad. If they don't so, that may be kind of a silly example, like an extreme example, but I'm telling you. When you get the Holy Spirit, you don't care what people think about you anymore. You're willing to even do something as crazy as that. And, you know, I've told you the story how, uh, well, we're all on the start of time. But uh, I was working at a, a restaurant called Hardee's, okay? Dylan knows where I'm going. I haven't told this for a while. But um, Hardee's is the East Coast equivalent of Carl's Jr. It's like the same thing, except slightly better. So, anyway, uh, I, I'm working in the drive-thru one day. And we had a, a competition going between all the restaurants in our district. Whoever had the fastest drive-through time got courtside tickets to the Pacers basketball game on a certain date. And I'm telling you, I would have done pretty much anything to get those courtside tickets. And so one day, you know, the, you're on a timer if you ever worked in a restaurant. They're timing you every time someone, their tires hit your drive-through. And so one day, this dude, this is a lady, pulls up in our drive-through and her car dies in the drive-through. And so I'm sitting there watching the, the clock on the wall. It's ticking up and up, and, and it's going. And I'm like, oh, I can just see the courtside tickets going to this other restaurant. I'm like, oh, God, no. What? Oh, and so I'm, I'm about to have a panic attack. And, and so uh, all of a sudden, I, I just get this idea. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to take care of this situation. And I tell my boss, Charles, I'll be right back. I'm going to go take care of the car. And he knows me and knows that unless the problem was basically her windshield wiper fluid needing changed. There's no chance in the world that I could fix it. <laughs> so not a, not a chance in this world. So I go out there. He's like, oh, I know what you're going to do. Don't do it. Please don't embarrass yourself. And so I go out there, and I'm like, ma'am, what's the problem here? And she's like, well, it just won't start. I don't know what's going on. And I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for your car, and it's going to start. You go up there and get your burger, and you have a nice day. And she is just like, huh? staring at me and so i don't know why man i just got really bold all of a sudden i laid hands on her car in the name of jesus start i don't know what's wrong but lord just start this car right now and so i was like try it again and i was so confident this was actually going to work i didn't even stick around i just started walking off and i turn around and she starts the car up and just stares at me like what in the world and she pulls up and gets her burgers and boom so yeah you know and and I mean, I never talked to this lady again that I know of, but somehow, hopefully, she got the word of the Lord that day that, that you know, even little things like that, that Jesus can use us if we'll get a boldness about us and not care what other people think about us. Amen? And so, uh, let's go ahead and we'll, I'll invite you to stand up with us tonight. Amen? We'll invite you to stand up. I'll have the praise team come up. But the Holy Spirit... He lives in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you've been born of the Spirit. And He'll guide you. He'll tell you what to say. He'll show you things to come. But when you're baptized or filled with the Spirit, it not only blesses you and builds you up, 
but you're a river, man. You 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 take it to others. And so, you know, when you're born of this, when you're born again, you you've got a well of the water of life from the inside of you. A well can take care of you and maybe, the, you know, your family, but a river can take care of a whole bunch of people. And Jesus said, rivers of living water will come out from within you, out of your belly. And so that's what we're talking about tonight is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to actually um, have the worship team. They're going to sing a, a praise song tonight and kind of close us out. But God's been dealing with me about closing our services out at the altar here. And so uh, if you're interested, first of all, if you would like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you've never had that, my dad and my mom and I, we're, we would love to be able to pray for that for you. And you get baptized tonight, no doubt about it. But also this, we're going to have a great time at the altar tonight, just praising God and letting the Holy Spirit move. So if you'd like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, you can come on over here to us. But anybody else, man, if you just want to be blessed, come on up to the altar and and and, and praise the Lord for a minute. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.